We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Kolchak the Night Stalker episode, The Devil's Platform. Ooh, I think I got that right. It's not The Devil's Candidate, it's The Devil's Platform. I'm pretty sure I got that one right this time. Because um, I always get that one wrong. Kolchak happens to be at the scene of a horrific, mysterious elevator accident, which kills senatorial candidate Robert Palmer's campaign manager, a man who had just revealed to Palmer that he was going to turn him over to the district attorney for his criminal dealings. Kolchak witnesses the carnage, and a large dog escapes from the elevator, which has just plummeted 40 floors. As it escapes, Kolchak grabs its dog tag, which turns out to be a pentagram. Kolchak gets wind that this isn't the only accident to benefit Palmer, and he begins to investigate while the dog stalks him. During this time, Palmer has gone missing until the dog attacks Kolchak at night and takes back the tag. Soon, Palmer is back on the scene. Palmer continues to use his strange abilities to kill people who stand between him and power. Kolchak realizes that Palmer has made a deal with the devil and is systematically working his way towards the presidency. With holy water in hand, Kolchak confronts Palmer, who offers him a deal with the devil too. Kolchak refuses, and with the holy water, destroys the medallion, transforming Palmer into a dog forever. Okay, Devil's Platform. I don't know I don't know why I have trouble with that one. Devil's Platform, Devil's Platform. What did you think of the Devil's Platform? Well, I I found it a bit of a the it, I mean in terms of the paranormal aspect of it, the idea of of um doing a deal with the devil is it, I, I I guess all we all we get to see is the outcome of that deal with the devil. Really, we don't get to see any of the mechanism of it. You know how how do you go about setting up a deal with the devil, and what are the what are the consequences? What what is the price? You, you know, we didn't we didn't get any of that stuff. So we just we got this um, slightly greasy politician kind of cruising along, doing his thing. And a bunch of his opponents sort of buying it. So from that point of view, I mean, it was a better than, better than the first few episodes. Kolchak's more um, witty and the episode's more entertaining. But otherwise, it's a kind of mer episode, except except for one kind of um, thing that slightly couldn't quite put my finger on what was resonating for w- with me. But this... Uh, this line Kolchak has about Palmer being evil incarnate, where he says he's going all the way to the White House. What is wrong with this country? And I was just thinking, you know, <laughs> the idea the idea of there being, a, you know, some politician with maybe some slightly unsavory criminal connections who clearly would be completely unsuitable as a as an elected um, politician, uh, let alone for the the highest office in your land and 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 yet people uh, seem to keep voting for him as if impelled by some mysterious satanic 
force. It's just something seems slightly familiar about it. But it does. I couldn't put my it finger does. on what. It does. It's either it's either compelling them to vote or compelling them not to get down to the polls and vote against one of the two. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did see that actually when he brought up the line about him going for the presidency. It's like, wow, it's just sometimes you can watch something from so very long ago and still kind of um, resonate. Uh, you look and, and, at it and go, oh, that's terribly far fetched. Uh huh. You don't, you don't think that. You, you think that, yeah, well, of course. All right. Let, we, obviously, we're, we're taking a dog here at, at, uh, at Trump. Oh, that was it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and, and I'm, I am totally, I am not remotely, uh, shy about saying that I think that's a disaster and a catastrophe, uh, in the making there, if not already made. Um, but it's also interesting that if you believe the conspiracy alternative theory, uh, about uh, Hillary Clinton or, or even and Bill Clinton that, you know, it's, it's a very common theme that a lot of people believe that there is just a trail of dead bodies, um, <laughs> on their rise to power too. You know, all these mysterious, you can go to the, the crazy lunatic websites that, that Trump reads and you can easily find, you know, lists of people who've died that helped Hillary reach the position and bill to reach the position where they could they could ascend towards the presidency. So okay, I mean, it's, well, it's a common commonish theme amongst uh, people who worry about power. So uh, you know. here, 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 I guess is is my other kind of complaint against the episode. Then, um, because it's an that's an interesting point you raise, and this episode is quite sort of focused on the how palmer is going to attain power uh using this this uh satanic connection that he has and it's and it's basically um well it's basically killing everybody else who's running for election and so i thought well as a as a strategy and and you know in terms of the writing in this episode how much is it giving us an insight into the kind of uh the the machiavellian political machinations that that actually go on behind the scenes i thought well it's not house of cards really is it i mean no has anyone ever seriously thought that a sensible strategy for getting elected would be to just eliminate all the other candidates uh, there I, are there, because there there are do, there are dozens of of electoral um electoral situation I'm, and i'm no sense kind of suggesting there is foul play involved in any of them but situations where there has been a death of an opponent and it's very very difficult for the the remaining candidate or candidates to know which way that's going to go mm-hmm. because that can work against you you know there's the 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 sympathy vote um or the uh, another more more popular candidate may take the place for the opposition party so there are all sorts of things around that so that i mean house of cards sets up a, a, a both versions of it sets up a very kind of plausible situation in which you might get to an extreme where a murder was expedient but 
this this story, although it didn't seem much concerned with the kind of the 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 whole devil worshipping aspect, it didn't really seem much concerned either with the 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 mechanics of how you steal an election. Yeah. So uh, to to your earlier point there, just you know, a bullet is an imprecise tool for mm. for that thing. And I and I'll give you an example, a uh, real world. Um, in Taiwan, and I can't tell you how long ago, but my guess is it's about 16 years, um, Chen Shui-bian was elected, uh, he was the first president to be elected from not the KMT, the KMT being basically the dictatorial party that had, that had lost the Chinese revolution. Um, but he was the first one to win from a, um, uh, the, basically the opposition, the liberal independence party. And... Just a few days before the election, somebody took a shot at him and tried to kill him. And they didn't kill him, but they did wound him. And um, he went on to win the election. He spent the entire rest of the time with the people in the KMT trying to prove that the, that the Independence Party had set the assassination up as an act <laughs> to fail to garner sympathy votes so that he would win the election. So, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really matter how it goes. If he'd been shot and killed, would the other guy have won? I, I don't know what would have happened there. No. And, Probably and not. The, the, and, the, but you can always point, spin it either way. And the point would be that the other guy wouldn't have known either which way. Thing. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the problem is, is as soon as you as soon as you precipitate an event like that you lose control mm-hmm. of all of the narratives whereas if you can if if you've got if you've got satan on your side how much better would it be to embroil your opponent in some kind of scandal from which yes. he couldn't escape okay you know so, so- say i'm looking at the 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 current election in france where you have uh, the who the the guy who was the leading candidate Finon, uh, found out to to have been paying his wife for doing a job that that wasn't. It's not the sexiest of scandals, but it's basically done for him. And so, it, you know, if you if you've got if you've got the devil working for you, what's to stop you either finding out the the opponent's darkest secrets or setting up something, setting up a honey trap or something that will do the same job. Exactly. Now, so, well, what can you do with a dog unless, you know, bestiality? But, uh, um, (laughs) uh, I don't know. But on the other hand, this is a pretty talented dog because it appeared to have been driving a car in (laughs) it. I wonder if he just transformed. I wonder if he just transformed into the dog at the last moment. Oh, is that how he did it? Because otherwise his paws wouldn't be able to reach the pedals. Yeah, you know, then they go off the accelerator and stuff. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and, and he, he'd have the, the steering wheel in his jaw, but then what would he do when he wanted to change gear? I've been worrying about this. Yes. Um, so, let actually, let's just take a look at the murders. So the first two murders we see off, well, I mean, we see them, but they're off off story in the narration. The first one is a prominent supporter financial supporter of Talbot. So in a way, that's kind of that kind of makes sense. If you if you withdraw funds from him, you may Could hurt be, Talbot. Yeah. The second one was Talbot's speechwriter. So arguably he's the man that puts the spin and puts the words in his mouth and makes him a popular candidate. So that's not a bad tactical move either. 
The third killing we see, though, is defensive. The guy is going to expose him as a crook. That's his own campaign manager. He kills him. That's not part of the plan. That's, ah, got to do something. The next one is that guy's secretary who is going to blackmail him with the exact same information. That's defensive as well. The one that makes no sense at all is killing Talbot. Yes. Later in the uh, later in the episode, I mean, that was the one. That was the one where I kind of jotted down a a, a, a brief kind of um, rant about how peculiar it was. But actually, the, the you know the series of murders. Well, you've got the first one, which is which is about funding. Well, if he can't persuade the guy to fund him instead when he's even got the backing from the devil, he's in a pretty weak position. Mm -hmm. Second one was kill the guy with the speeches. Well, you don't know that someone better isn't going to turn up and do that stuff. Defensive ones, yeah, maybe, okay, perhaps it would be better to to put the pressure on them and turn them around. But certainly with with the campaign manager, there's a chance he's going to get some political capital out of this kind of sympathy vote. I don't know, maybe, maybe those make sense. But like you say, killing your opponents... It's just... <sighs> Especially when it appears that he was going to win. Now, there there is a line... There is a line that before he gets in the car, one of the reporters asks him if he is going to pull out one of his famous last-minute bombshells. And Talbot... Yeah, Talbot's the opponent. He says something like, well, let's we'll have to wait and see. And gets in and goes his vacation. So... There is the possibility that that man has something that he's going to drop on Palmer. And we're pretty sure there's a lot of dirt on Palmer somewhere. Um, otherwise, the campaign manager wouldn't have known about it. Sure. So maybe that was his also defensive, but it, it, it didn't really seem well, uh, well reasoned. Uh, in the approach of things. And you're right. Th- there's lots of things he could do. He, the, the first thing he does to try to get rid of Kolchak is not to kill Kolchak. It's to turn him. I'm thinking yeah. that secretary could have been turned. Sure. She seemed like the kind who would be like, wow, you know, I can get stuff and I can, yeah, okay. She, that, you know, if she's willing to do blackmail, um, I, I, I suppose. I suppose maybe making a deal with the devil is a little bit further down the line than uh, than committing a federal offense. But um, so it's a an interesting uh, uh, thing I want to point out. This is 1970s. This is American television. This is Christian America, uh, and and although I wouldn't say our television was heavily censored, um, it certainly had a lot of things that standards and practices would have frowned upon. And you'll notice that, that the name Satan is never mentioned in this episode. The name devil is never spoken in the episode. He, uh, he, he, they they mention Satanism, right? They, they, they have books on Satanism. That's a subject you can pick up in the library. And the title is The Devil's Platform, but they don't mention they don't mention they mention Asimodius Asimodius and uh, what was the other one Baphomet, and this is pretty common in that era. There are there are you know, don't talk about Satan because he is he's evil and anti God. But you can talk about these other ones because 
because they're not exactly the same. I don't, I've never quite understood that. They're, they're names that stupid people won't know. You know, the unwashed out in Alabama won't know that Baphomet or Asimosius, Asimosius, ah, can't say Asimosius. There we go. Um, today, uh, mean the same, the same thing. Cause that's not what it says in the Bible. And, um, it, it's just, it just was kind of weird. I was, I was watching how they were dancing around it. Um, and I think that's partially why he called him evil incarnate at one point, because that's a, that's a euphemism for Satan. Hmm. Satan is evil incarnate. And this candidate is, eh, 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 but not saying he sold his soul to, um, to Satan. So, uh, it was just a, it's kind of a, a, an amusing relic from the, from the seventies there. I thought as I was watching the episode. That could be that could be why they didn't kind of explore that side of the the story too much. You I know, the, the 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 it's it's normally the reason why we've got a supernatural plot, and that makes it a Kolchak episode. But they've they've kind of stuffed in the business with the the transforming dog to actually give you the the kind of mechanism of the mystery or whatever and that takes the place of any exploration of what palmer's deal actually is mm-hmm. what you know what it's going to oh, yeah, cost him and all oh, you know all the kind totally of stuff danced that might around be interesting. it hmm. even when he was having his conversation with his wife you know it's obviously she knows exactly what the deal was yeah. and it, i wasn't clear whether she was in on the deal or not um but oh, i think so well, I mean, in other words, did she also sign over her soul, or was she just part and party to him signing over his soul? I, I, I'm not quite sure how that worked out, but, um, you know, they yeah, were they were yeah. dancing around the subject. It's like, you know what we did, because the audience is supposed to know what you did without having to explicitly say it. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that does... I was thinking it, that when you were mentioning your criticism of that early in the episode, I think that's what it is. I think we're dancing around the subject on primetime network television in the United States in the seventies. It, it is interesting just, just um, mentioning Lorraine Palmer, who we might come back to, but the, the fact that she at the very least is fully in mm-hmm. Palmer's confidence. She knows she knows exactly what he's doing. She knows the truth of it, and probably no one else does. And so you have you have the the idea of this political couple. I don't know if that is part of the perception of of all, all your conspiracies around Bill and Hillary Clinton, um, but it's certainly. You know, I mean, it goes back to Macbeth, and when House of Cards was adapted from the novel, um, the the TV version of it. Uh, created a much more prominent role for the wife you know very much drawing on on um Macbeth as much as as uh as the kind of main storyline draws on Richard III so that's clearly something you know given that this predates all of that by quite a long way that that's clearly something that there is this um this idea of you know in the 70s that mm. That you have you have the 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 perfect political couple who are 
not all they appear, but they are as close as they appear, and it's just they're conspirators rather than the the kind of um, perfect married couple they appear in public. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I. Uh, this is another thing I find funny looking at it from the 1970s, and I may embarrass myself here in in my own assumptions let's just say but i'm pretty sure that dog was a rottweiler um (laughs) like uh, there's lots of rottweilers out there that's kind of what they look like and that's the kind of dog that you would have seen in the omens movies and you know pretty much whenever somebody throws out a satanic dog it's 90% of the time it's a Rottweiler, 10% of the time it might be a Doberman. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the big brutish evil hellhound dog that gets used. I think they used it in a Hound of the Baskervilles once in one of the adaptations oh, of Hound of the Baskervilles. I'm pretty sure it was a Rottweiler. It's I'm, a big, I'm sure it would have been. Um, I, 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 I'm, I, I, I wouldn't recognize it. I couldn't say what it was, but... The Rottweiler is a dog that will scare people because it's a dog that can be very, very vicious. So, justifiably. Yeah. Uh, but what I find amusing is that in 1974 or 5, Kolchak sees that very famous dog and is like, yeah, I gotta go find a book of dogs and start looking f- through it to try to find out what kind of dog that is. And the answer we get out of Ron who is remarkably helpful and, and, <laughs> and, and kind of, I like him a bit in this episode too, because he gives pretty much as well as he gets. Yes. And is, Oh, well, if it's got five toes, it's an African dog or an Asian dog. I'm like, is that true? Is that just something they made up? Cause I've never heard that before in my life. And <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I didn't even know dogs didn't have five toes. <laughs> I've had dogs all my life. I never knew they didn't have five toes. I still, since this episode, I haven't gone and counted my dog's toes. But now that I'm they thinking about it, I'm going to go do it. Every every dog whose toes I've bothered to count has four. There's not a large number of dogs, so I'm not going to assert that it's a particularly representative sample. But, you know, as to, as to the the Asian dogs, then I think we have to appeal to the... Um, canine expertise in our listenership probably i've no idea what dog breeds have five toes ha okay (laughs) i'm gonna go a step further when did kolchak have a chance to count the toes on that dog uh actually i mean he saw it in an elevator with its paws down behind a bunch of dead bodies (laughs) and it leaped out at him and it's trying to kill him, and he's going, oh, one, two, three, four, five, oh, better grab <laughs> it. That part, I mean, I, I, I demonstrated fact, I have dogs all the time, and I could not have told you how many toes a dog had. So, wow, Kolchak, observational skills. Props. Well, there you go. Don't win a Pulitzer for ignoring the number of toes on a dog. <laughs> good, good point. Um, so, yeah, I just thought, it, I thought that was very quaint and amusing and i did just look it up to make sure i wasn't completely stupid and that is absolutely 100 percent certainly a rottweiler that was okay in that episode that is that's what they look like and 
it's a big, mean, stocky dog. And, uh, and I know people who love Rottweilers are going to say they're not mean dogs naturally. It's just that's okay, fine. But it looks like a big, mean dog is what I'm getting at. And that particular one. Yeah. They can, they can, they can be mean dogs. I oh, mean, yes. That, that's the point. And that's, that is what scares people. And, you know, they're, they're large as well. So, right. Uh, but you mentioned, you mentioned, um, the, uh, uh, Baskerville with a, a Rottweiler in it. And I've got, I've got, um, the hound of the Baskervilles down because when he uh, develops the photographs, the dog glows. So I'm thinking, hello, you know, uh-huh. Conan Doyle much here? Yeah, oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, now, let's ask about that. Why did the dog picture disappear? Because it's a satanic dog. Okay, I, I can accept that. I would be more inclined to accept that it wouldn't show up in the picture in the first place. If it was it's, a vampire dog. It seemed remarkably suspicious or convenient that he brings in the picture, he sees the dog, it's very clearly the dog, he brings it in, puts it on Vincenzo's desk, here, look at the picture. Vincenzo just apparently kind of glances at it, but doesn't really apparently look at it enough to see the dog, which is the thing Kolchak is actually pointing out. Then they leave the room, it disappears they come back, and when Vincenzo's ready to actually look at the picture, it's gone. I mean, it's very convenient from the story point, but it makes no sense from the well. It's not explored. I mean, this, that's the yeah. thing. Even even because we've we've sort of, I suppose, explained at least, if not excused, why they dance around the Satanism elements of the story. But they still have this whole thing about trans- transforming into a dog, and that's not really explored either. So why does the dog disappear from the photograph? That's one question. But also all the other stuff about um, obvi- obviously the the pentagram thing helps him transform to and from. But how does he how does he do the transformation and all that kind of stuff isn't explored. Um, and you know the thing about the photograph beside the significance of it that annoyed me was why didn't Kolchak go straight back to the negative yeah because he's created a he's created a print we've got all this stuff in a dark room and i was thinking you know what would what what would your kids make of that sequence you know what on earth is that man doing oh yeah 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 with a i mean it i I was paying kind of a close attention to the sequence. Um, you know, okay, from the original developing of the film, I think they would get that. Uh, I, You know, just from pop culture, not from having seen... Although my daughter has actually taken uh, photography in high school, and they did do developing. So they did shoot oh, okay. some film. So she would know that. But I couldn't see the part when he took the print, uh, when the packet of information came over... And he was obviously running it through an enlarger, but I didn't actually see an enlarger. And my understanding of that process, and I've never done um, uh, darkroom work, but my understanding of that process is that you're basically making a new negative from the print somehow by presumably taking a picture of it and then using that negative and feeding it through an enlarger as you're pushing it onto the paper. And that... When, so when when was when was he, when was he doing that? He I mean so, when he he took a photo of the dog. So I agree did, we didn't yeah we didn't see the enlarger or the film, but he took a photo of the dog. He would have developed the film, and then he would have used an enlarger to make a print from the film. Yes, but but later in the episode when the packet of uh, 
press material came from the local reporter that Vincenzo had ordered and handed oh, it yeah. and he found the medallion on on uh Palmer's neck and he took it in there and he he ran it through the bath at least two times. Yes. To enlarge it. Yeah, like, that, that that was weird because he was he he appeared to be making a contact print from it. But I cu- I couldn't understand what on earth he was doing. He appeared to be he he appeared to be laying it on top of another sheet of paper, exposing it, and then developing that. That would cre- that would create a negative on paper, mm-hmm. I, which I, you could then which you could then expose again to get a positive, but it wouldn't enlarge it. That was that was the strange thing about what was going on there. And I thought that an enlarger and again my ignorance of them. I thought that an enlarger of this was basically a a, a mechanism that projected instead of. It is uh, a, yes. It it's, it's, it's very much like a projector onto the, the the contact paper or the the, the photosensitive paper, and so you would make a negative, and then you would use effectively lenses to make it bigger. And I didn't see him doing that, and so no, we don't we don't see that at all. But was, but in order to do that, you would have you would have to have film, right? So you know the enlar- the enlarger takes film in in much the same way as older listeners will remember being able to put transparencies into a slide projector except that instead of projecting the slide onto a screen or whatever it projects it onto your photographic paper for however many seconds and then you then you run it through the bus so he would undoubtedly have had that equipment in the dark room but i get uh, yeah we didn't see it so we i get i it. guess he- they're just kind of and yet they kind of went through a whole process to show him enlarging it and then enlarging it some more. And then the piece we didn't see was the actual enlarger. And, and you know, maybe lost on the audience or, or whatnot. I just No, but was... it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be because in the 70s, surely many more members of the audience yes. would have been familiar with actually having got, gone through this process because home home developing wouldn't have been that uncommon i mean at least here at at that point by the time i was uh, getting into photography which was before digital was really viable Mm -hmm. um but but you know we were using film but we were taking it to a chemist or a specialist photographer uh lab you know i did i did some developing myself but it was very much the the kind of realm of the specialist rather than the the home amateur whereas i think you know, go back to the 1970s and a lot of people would have been more, yeah. doing that stuff. You know, you could get cheap um, enlargers that that uh, were very compact, sort of folded down or whatever. So you could set up a home darkroom by taping out the window in your in your bathroom or your kitchen or whatever. And you, and you could do this stuff. And so the audience would have been looking around for that kit. And I get—I mean, it's been a fair few years since I've been in a darkroom, and I guess I just wasn't thinking about it. But now you mention it, I need to go back and have a look at that because we've seen that darkroom a fair few times. And it's usually not Kolchak doing the work. That's true. And this and time I th- he I think was it- very competent at it. I mean, he was—he—he he knew what he was doing. He was developing. He didn't need that pimply-faced kid. And no. we spent a fair amount of time watching him do it. Yeah, which is just a filler, I'm sure. But. Um, but it's fair enough to it's fair it's fair enough to see him in the stages of actually because mo- because most of what we see is him putting the the um paper in the developer stop and fixer and then taking it out and drying it and 
running out to Vincenzo to show him or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those are the last stages, and that's fair enough. And you could have the the enlarger out of shot, and you could assume that he's already developed the film and done all of that, you know, beforehand. So that's fine. But in this one, we do get that strange bit where he is enlarging a print that he's been sent through the post. And I think you're quite right. And now I'm now I'm mystified. <laughs> and, and the other part about it is, if he's enlarging a print that he received, and like I say, assuming that he can make a negative from a print, which I know that there is a way to do it. I don't know how it's done, but you can make a negative from a print and then using that negative to print enlargements, um, you're not getting the resolution that the original image had. You're getting the resolution of the negative you made from the print. And all he needed to do was to pull out a magnifying glass and look at the the medallion on yes. Palmer's neck. In fact, we know he already did because he saw it and he's like, oh, uh, uh, and and he prints it out and puts it on. Ah, that's quite true. He gains nothing. So gain nothing. So, so let me let me give them the benefit of the doubt to make a supposition here, which is the pack includes not just the prints, but no. Why on earth would they send the negatives? Because they want to keep the negatives in case they want to make prints themselves. Yeah. But had they done so then he would be able to make a new enlarged print, which would be at a higher resolution than the print he had on his desk. Yes. And it would be worth going into the darkroom for that. Yes. Yes. And, and, and so while we're talking about that packet of information, I got the impression from the campaign manager that he'd been digging around his hometown and he had found out, you know, some of the, the stuff he'd done because it's what he said. Well, yeah. Not just, but... You know, so I know what kind of dirty tricks you pulled. You pulled every trick in the book back in your hometown to get your position in your. Uh, yet when Vincenzo calls that hometown to his contact in the press, they're like, "Oh, hometown boy makes good. He's wonderful. I'll send you a picture, basically press material, for him." So another example of the reporters being completely incompetent at their job. Yeah, because then if. Where did the campaign manager just dig this information up, if not from the journalists in that town? Well, I presume he would have talked to what Palmer's political allies or Palmer's political opponents. He would have had to do a bit of investigation Himself. of his own. Yeah. So I just I, I kind of thought that was it would have I would have been a little more convinced if the guy had sent over something with maybe you know there's been some talk of things with Palmer, anything, any kind of hint that would indicate yeah, that but journalists were doing their job, except that only Kolchak is the only reporter digging up stuff on anybody. I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, I'm not filled with confidence by any of the reporters that we have seen in Col- in Kolchak, the, the, the series. Kolchak himself, I have my doubts about, but I will accept that, you know, he doesn't take whatever he's fed but in theory an organization like ins would um would 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 be successful by doing investigative stories however even vincenzo is very careful about taking on politicians now if we're talking about some small town rag Mm -hmm. where palmer is really the big cheese in town what do they gain from bad mouthing him to an organization they don't even know or they've never even met they're far better off saying palmer is wonderful yeah. you know both both in print and to anyone inquiring 
um, because that way they avoid incurring his wrath, which would obviously be problematic if he's a powerful man, even if he were a powerful man who weren't in the pocket of the devil. Yes. Now, so let's talk about Vincenzo's attitudes throughout this story. I mean, we Vincenzo was always the sort of, we can't print that foil throughout the episode uh, in the past. He was kind of warming toward, to it towards the end of this one. Although his line about um, why does our expose have to have a dog in it? Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> yes. was, was, th- there were a lot of, I thought, really great lines in this episode. I, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, because I've got that line down and it's the best Vincenzo line he's had in the whole series, in my opinion. Political expose. That's great, Carl. Go with it. If you've got something, go. I mean, he's acting like an editor and he's given his, his reporter thing and then he's like, but why do we have to the dog? Because <laughs> the dog was there. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't blame Kolchak, obviously, because the dog was there. We know it was there. It's part of it. But um, uh, <laughs> except for the picture disappeared, which is, of course, the the, the point there. Um there's also a line at the beginning of the episode where Kolchak is playing up the Palmer in his cynical way about, you know, being vibrant and active, youthful and uh, go-getting. And he says, why can't he be like the rest of us? Timid, insecure and lazy, <laughs> which is probably sums up Kolchak's personality uh, in in one line. <laughs> you could just – the whole guy's like, okay, he's he's – he summed up humanity right there, and then we're done. Um, I I really did enjoy that. I, I enjoyed the the interactions in this episode. This is this is them with their kind of on beat um, uh, w- with the cast. I mean, Updike yes. is not exactly likable because he's just not going to be a likable guy ever. But he's not a doormat. He's not oh I'm no. hypochondriac and I'm running. I mean, he's he's has a personality. We've got uh, Edith or Miss Emily, which is I finally figured out why this is confusing. Her name what, is the, Edith, the fact- but her column name is Miss Emily. So uh, they switch back. Like in the credit, she's Edith Cowell. But they do call her Miss Emily's back. And Oh, okay. Um, I didn't even spot them calling her Edith. but I don't know that they called her by name Edith in this particular episode, but I know that but hasn't she been on holiday for about five episodes? That was yes. the thing that was confusing me. I thought she's been in Italy for ages because she went off about episode two or something. Yes, she's been gone for quite a long time. And um, uh, and Monique is not here in this one. And I still bet we'll never see her again because I, I would have sworn she was only in that one episode. But, but I've been proved wrong since then. Um, but... Um, but but I, I do I do I do agree with you. The characters in this are written extremely well. So it's the the thing about Updike the the way he is written is that as you say he's not a likable character, but you completely understand where he's coming from in this, mm-hmm. and he has it he has a good few lines. So you don't have to like him, but you can you can respect the fact that he's he's giving as as good as he's got. Um, Miss, Miss Emily, you know, coming back from vacation, complaining about the elevator and all that stuff. Isn't it? She's not. 
some of these interactions are, are, are quite humorous, but they're not being set up purely for the joke, for the one-liner. They actually make sense in terms of the character. And I think we get that from the kind of non-regulars as well, because for once, okay, we don't have a police captain in this, but we do have Kolchak interacting with the policeman. And for once, Kolchak interacts with a member of the police force. Maybe it's because he's not a senior member, I don't know. But he interacts with him as you would expect a journalist to do with a source. Yep. In other words, he, you know, he's, he's reasonably charming. He isn't pointlessly antagonistic. He you know, tries to get a, a, a few answers from him. And when the policeman is actually more forthcoming than is probably in his interests, he says, we haven't got any answers, Kolchak says, well, I'll do you a favour and not quote you on that. Mm-hmm. So he's, in other words, he's... he's well, it's it, two... He's preserving. He's pre- he's preserving his source um, by by you know not causing him a load of grief. Well, there's also the well, don't see. There's two cops that he deals with in this episode. One is the the cop who shot the dog. Oh yeah, and he's trying yeah. to record him. And when Same he's kind of it. not forthcoming, he's you know I turn off the tape recorder off off the yeah. record. What was it? So yeah, he's he's totally doing what yeah, he needs and you to, can- to get the info. Again, you can you can completely understand why the cop behaves the way he does when the recorder is switched on, and you can also understand why he's he's willing to talk to Kolchak, at least off the record, because he is, you know, he from the from the scene onwards, he's completely baffled by what he's seen, yep. and he hasn't got anywhere else to go to with it. So again, that interaction makes sense, and it, and it gives Kolchak, you know, even though he hasn't got a quote that he can print. He's got a piece of information that he could possibly somehow corroborate yeah, in some other way. So, you know, once you get that, uh, you know, you've got a lead, even if it's not a printable lead. So, yeah, he's doing the job uh, in this episode. Uh, yeah. I, wish, I wish he was wearing that hat that, uh, that Emily got in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then while, while, while we're on the, the kind of characters and the well-written interactions, I thought this – the the um, exchange with Lorraine Palmer on the doorstep was just superb because she's more than a match for him. But again, you completely understand where she's coming from, which is she is the candidate's wife. She can't blow him off in a completely uh, rude and unpleasant way because he's a member of the press. But on the other hand, she is quite sufficiently... uh, cutting and dismissive to even get through Kolchak's thick skin um, as she as she kind of firmly kicks him out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no I, I it was not a huge part but I think it was important that she was there um, and and she did well in in that uh, in that piece. And it also gives us that scene where they can have – where she and, and Palmer have that discussion about she's scared. She's um, – you know, obviously she puts on the brave face when Kolchak is there. Mm-hmm. Presumably she does not know why Palmer has not come home. I'm not sure about that. Um, well, no, she, she, she could uh, – she wouldn't know. She might She might have a guess where he is, but she wouldn't know why he has not – been able to come back right so or 
or transform back. I mean, maybe, maybe the Rottweiler has turned up and kind of talked to as, her. Uh, Kolchak puts it at the end, licked her hand. So, you know, actually, that to me, that makes me think she is not the one who has a deal with the devil. And I'll, and I'll, um, yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with that. She's, she's, she's not, uh, she's supportive. She's not, she's riding she's his n- coattails. But she hasn't underwritten the cost, as it were. Yes. Um, I thought it was interesting. It doesn't really add a whole lot to the plot. Well, it adds a clue to the plot where he gets the medallion and the dog cannot transform back. And so we spend a part of the time where Palmer is inconvenienced by Kolchak's interactions on it. And it's kind of creepy watching that dog follow him through the city streets and just keeping an eye on him. And you and not knowing where the story was going, at least in, you know when I first saw it, you you just don't quite know what what's happening. I'm not even sure I put together that the dog and Palmer were one and the same yet, even though Palmer got in the elevator. I mean, I, yeah. Um. So, and and here's one other point to not her not knowing when Kolchak breaks in and he makes a noise, Palmer gets it. Palmer knows exactly what it is, I think, and she does not. And he even kind of goes, eh, I'm just going to go get another glass of wine and, and head off. Now, first, I thought, well, he heard something, and he's going to go check it out. Then he walks into the wine cellar, which, you know, how would he have known that that noise came from a wine cellar? One. So, but he goes right to it. In fact, he doesn't even have to go right to it because he immediately says, I'm going to go get some wine. And he walks in, and then he goes straight to the bottle that's right in front of Kolchak's face, and even blows dust on him. I mean, he's, he clearly knows he's there, as if maybe Satan told him, or, you know, <laughs> gave him gave him the sight. Well, yeah, although, in fairness, he, he has a much... He knows a lot more about... She's had a conversation with him on the doorstep, he stalked him around the streets and All right, that's, knows that's cool. how, you know, how doggedly, if <laughs> you'll forgive me, um, he has been pursuing the investigation. So someone someone had broken into the house. It's a good chance that it's going to be Kolchak. It could be. I, I just, I felt like, you know, he's he's basically set him up here. He's like, I know, yeah. I know you're there. I'm going to. I'm going to toy with you a little bit with the wine and blow stuff, and then I'm going to go into my Satan room. Uh, (laughs) All homes for defrocked priests had. And and I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to do the little prayer, give you a little bit of a scene, and I'm waiting for you. And part of the myth and the lore, of course, of people selling their soul to Satan is that Satan knows exactly what you want. Right? Mm -hmm. It's a... It's a ability to see into your deepest desires. Yeah, he's Palmer, a salesman. Palmer exhibits that, whether or not it's Satan whispering in his ear or whether that's part of the gift that he's been given. Or because it's I don't, just a politician. I don't think – I think his comments were meant to be exactly right. Kolchak, you're a good reporter. Not a great reporter, but a very good reporter. Your own personality it's, flaws screw you up. He just has not had enough time to get that. You 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 won a Pulitzer, but you 
you publicly scorn that. He would never know that Kolchak had publicly scorned Pulitzers. You want a job in New York. You want a suede chair, not a leather chair. And you can see on Kolchak's face. That's exactly right. It's exactly what Kolchak thinks. It's exactly what Kolchak thinks. And, and you blame Vincenzo. How would he even know about Vincenzo? Uh, but you know that it, deep down it's your own fault. I mean, he is, he is, he is laser focused on exactly who and what Carl Kolchak is from from what we see in this uh piece so i think or how he's got perceives himself yeah i think he's got something i mean there's more to it than just i can turn into a dog and kill people he's also got the sight but it does raise the question if you had that ability surely (laughs) you could do better than having to knock off your opponents as you well yes earlier yes (laughs) that's i mean that is my entire point about well i mean a kind of non-paranormal, non-satanic election strategy wouldn't involve knocking off your opponents, but neither would one where you had the devil on your side, because all these other, and already you have all these other options that are clearly far better open to you, and now you have even more. Do you think that there is uh, meant to be an sort of a standard here that because satan is evil incarnate you have to kill people i mean is that maybe that's you know just like a a vampire has to kill people to live and a a werewolf rips people apart because that's what werewolves do satan kills people so somebody working for satan kills people it's it's not about i I don't know i'm just i i'm it's a possibility i mean wouldn't wouldn't satan wouldn't satan prefer people to come over to the dark side as it were i agree um, i think you know prostitutes and drugs and stuff probably would get them get them to hell faster uh you know for, for his <laughs> well, benefit there, there is in that a way or, right? or, or just or just ask you know ask them to to serve serve the dark master or, or i think whatever. the secretary could you know, have been turned it, yes well i mean who knows but wouldn't you try wouldn't wouldn't he try and th- and therefore um y- you would only you would only bother to do away with those people who are absolutely incorruptible and all of the people that we're talking about are you know they're kind of politicians or po- or politician speechwriters or whatever um i don't i don't want to fall into this trap of going well all politicians are the same they're all in it for themselves because i don't believe that but on the other hand we are talking about people whose job is all about compromise and about making the best deal possible they are not about absolutes they're not about saying you know i will i will tread the path of righteousness and only the path of righteousness 44 times out of 45 only our American listeners will get that, but uh, no. <laughs> but yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Politicians are more nuanced than the caricature that is portrayed uh, of them, which is, of course, their power-seeking, corrupt, evil yeah. individuals. There, there definitely is a more nuanced thing. There's different reasons why getting people get into politics. There are different levels of corruption. There are different levels of, of you know, compromise is a form of corruption in a in a way that if you of, of, of course it is and and there's a susceptibility because you're you're desperate to make a difference you know you you 
a good politician, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, a good politician wants to make life better. They want to get their hands on the lever of, levers of power in order to be able to do something good. The problem is, of course, that, so, that any anyone who can, as it were, you know, see into their soul or at least have a a very good idea of what they've had to do in order to be able to do that can compromise them and can 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 tempt them further um, with things that appear to be the lesser of evils or whatever but once you you know once you make one compromise and then another compromise and then another compromise mm -hmm. if someone is really twisting if they are twisting your fate, as it were, it's very hard to escape from that. I would imagine, mm. mm -hmm. because you're you're always you're always at risk of well, you know, if I'm exposed for this small compromise that I've just done, that will undo the good work that I'm doing. Everything will have been for nothing. I must, you know, I must go one step further. It's so. Let's let's then let's assume. Let's assume that. Um, politicians, people who go into politics do not necessarily go into politics to be evil. Um, and so, and, and what they get out of it in the end, in the political process, presumably, if they're good, if they're on the side of the light and the angels, is they get a positive change to the world. That we live in. And as we slip down the spectrum towards the dark side, um, maybe they get some ego boo out of it for being recognized as being a great uh, leader or a great improver of mankind. And slipping a little further down the side, maybe they get uh, some book deals out of it or uh, they get some money out of it or uh, wealth and influence that they can use for the rest of their life. And just working our way down the line to... You know, I've got absolute power <laughs> at the far end, which doesn't exist as as Mr. Trump is beginning to figure that out, even as we speak, as as so many people, as so many fools in the world assume it's, it's nothing I I've, I've hate worse in all my in all my years. Whenever somebody comes in and says, oh, the president screwed up the job market or the president's done this, the president doesn't do that. The president has never done that. The president can make some move here and there. And I'm sure the prime minister is the same way. You don't have that. It's we do not have that level of power in one man's hands. Uh, they can certainly make some very big things. But, you know, there are hundreds of factors and hundreds of people involved in achieving those things. You don't have the power. Why would somebody cutting a deal with the devil want something as useless as, as the being the presidency of the United States when they could be the president, they could be the chairman of Apple or they could be, which is arguably <laughs> got a whole lot more money, um, which is, you know, ultimately the power. I mean, what do they want to do? Nuke people? I mean, okay. Tim Cook can't nuke people, but Tim Cook can buy any stinking thing he wants. He could pay and he could get off of pretty much any crime he wanted to do. He could do whatever. And I'm not saying that he would do it. I'm just using him as an example as CEO of, of an incredibly 
powerful, rich corporate, why would you want to be the president or a senator or anything in the political line if if you had a deal with Satan? Doesn't I make guess any sense I, at all to me. I guess the answer to that is you you have to you can see why the human involved would want to be the president because for all the reasons that you listed it you know it gives them the advantage the recognition at least a degree of power and all those kinds of things but um from the devil's point of view it's just another soul it's one it, it's one among many powerful people you know the devil can make a deal with someone who becomes president and deal with the ceo of apple and deal with mm -hmm. whoever else you know these these people together can make far bigger changes than any of them can individually yeah i mean as strategy goes there's a there is definitely a um you know if you if you think about it and i guess maybe this is a, an allegory it's not even an allegory what am i saying this is a story of temptation this is the story of don't don't succumb succumb to the the devil's um lies and trickery and remain yeah. on the path yeah. of goodness and righteousness Th there's a hubris there that says i matter <laughs> when you're like oh yeah. well, the devil's trying to trick me with fossils and making me think that the earth isn't four thousand years old oh i better avoid that uh or 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 whatever nonsense that goes on there there, there is there's a hubris that says this is about me that i matter in in the grand scheme that that the devil has enough time with seven billion but people that, on the planet to go around and and try to poke holes in each and every person and and find a way to to, to go but but oh, let me just one more thing when we asked about what does the devil get out of it one of the things that the devil gets out of it was sacrifice he said that at the end of the episode i have to sacrifice frequently it's just little animals but sometimes it's been higher order life forms uh, implying here that kolchak is definitely going to be one of those higher order life forms that gets sacrificed yeah. and and yeah. presumably that's the standard bell book and candle knives and uh, you know uh, uh blood on the stone drinking out of the cup and all thing but but do the people he killed count on the way are those also in a way, sacrifices to Satan, and that comes back to my question about whether oh, we're well, expecting we're expecting really. them to have to kill. He's got to kill because that Satan demands that he kill. Yes, although whether whether it, whether it counts as a sacrifice, I mean, it, it to me it's not a sacrifice because he's doing it in order, at least ostensibly, to further his own ambitions, which isn't doing it, you know, purely for fulfilling the will of the devil which w it would be the case in in the event of him carrying out a sacrifice i think actually what you've said is is much more what the story is about it's it it is as you say the the allegory of um temptation and and uh being being kind of carried away with this with this with your own idea because what the devil the devil doesn't want the devil isn't interested in the presidency the devil isn't even interested in controlling the apple corporation believe it or not what the devil actually wants is new iphone palmer's soul right. <laughs> and a new iphone <laughs> and so 
you know it's nothing it's not to do with the presidency i think i think i got that wrong i think you know he's not he's not trying to control all of these different people because the whole idea of the devil is that he gets his power through temptation and the temptation of the individual and it's by resisting that that you that you resist the devil so he's much more powerful already than the presidency or whatever but what's important to him is that in order to tempt palmer into becoming his servant he must give palmer something that palmer wants and palmer wants to be president okay he gets that if palmer had wanted to be ceo of apple or whatever that would have done just as well mm-hmm. if palmer had just wanted to go paragliding or um you know to i i, I can't <laughs> price I can't might be a little of, high there but yeah <laughs> but but yeah, point taken but it, I mean, it's, it's got to be something big but the, the 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 point is whatever whatever part maybe palmer just wants a little cottage in the country you know he he just wants to be left alone in peace or i don't know whatever it is the devil can provide it all you have to do is simply sign away your soul and the devil gets what he wants and he can provide whatever it is at, you know at, at uh, more or less no cost so the presidency is is a is a big thing i guess we're thinking it's difficult for anyone to give the presidency to anyone but we're talking about the devil here mm-hmm. and uh what if for two the people devil, want to be the president uh <laughs> i guess it's uh whoever they... makes the best offer i don't know it's uh yeah first first come first served well you can only you know term limits eight years so we'll, we'll wait. I'm sorry. I, I wanted no term limits too. I wanted to be the president and no term limits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, you know, it is, um, yeah, it just, it has to be something big. Um, and the twilight zone, it would be, I want immortality. And of course, you know, some stories use that as a, some stories use that as a way to demonstrate the folly of, of your wishes. Oh, I want to be immortal. It turns out my life's boring now. And I, you know, I went out of wow, the bagger, the infinitely prolonged. Yeah, and here uh, we're we're talking about a story about what people are willing to do to gain political power. So there is a little bit of a, uh, a I loathe to call it a moral, but you know, we are talking we are talking about a story that is about desire for political power and what yeah. you, somebody would be willing to go do for it. Um, I only have one last thing. I love the ending of this story. Uh, I I do think it's a little bit convenient that Kolchak happens to toss the tag away and it just lands where he broke the holy water uh, instead of doing something a little more effective with the holy water. But I love the fact that Palmer just gets stuck as the dog and it appears loses his uh, personality. Yep. There at the end, and 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 goes off with the wife. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. It's it's a, it's an atypical ending for a Kolchak story, largely because so it's typical in the sense that he breaks into Palmer's house. You know, he's always got to go to the the lair of the monster, and and break in. And you think, well, what you know, he's supposed to be an investigative journalist. What exactly is it that he hopes this is going to achieve? How is he going to gather any further evidence for his story? Well, usually by that point, 
he's 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 kind of given up on the whole being a journalist thing and he's just into destroying the whatever this week's evil is so you kind of think well he's gone in there and he's going to uh finish off palmer so i have to say i was you know when the when the dog kind of stopped its eyes glowing and everything i still expected that kolchak was kind of going to reach out and break its neck or because <laughs> you know otherwise it's not sufficiently bloodthirsty for a kolchak story he's 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 good and yeah okay it's an innocent little doggy that's now just but you know he did it with the werewolf or whatever so yeah is he is he going to take the risk of letting that dog go not the kolchak i'm expecting I thought he would just, you know, reach out, grab it by the ears, bit of a twist, boom, dead dog. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I don't know what I would have been expecting in the original. I I suppose I would have expected it to disappear in a puff of "You've been called to hell." Yeah, but apparently all that all they got called to hell was his soul, and we see that yeah. moment, you know, when the dog suddenly goes from mean to <laughs> and kind of kind of part of it i thought kolchak was there looking for um what what evidence of satanic rituals whether it was the chapel or what but i i assumed that he was in fact actually looking for that chapel he was looking for the altars or the pentagrams or the the not evidence not like pieces of paper that say oh i killed this guy or anything like that but i just kind of got the felt from his the feelings from his um you know why the why is he starting in the wine cellar and and working around? He's he's looking for something, and he makes that mention uh, about the house having been. I don't think defrocked was the term he used, but the house had previously been owned by a a minister of something who had been disgraced or defrocked or something. And it's like that doesn't that statement didn't really make a whole lot of sense unless you imply that there's something about the priest that the house had some kind of a secret to. And Which then, wouldn't be particularly logical either. No, it wouldn't. Uh, it, it was kind of... It's very convenient that he managed to get a um, a house that somebody had previously put a satanic temple in. But then on the other hand, yeah, maybe, nice. maybe the priest had been taken by satan and said hey by the way here's a nice house for you it's already got the uh the, the stuff in place <laughs> to do the worship to me which is a, another aspect of the things that satan wants out of people not just your soul he wants your worship he wants to diminish those worshiping god and that's uh, uh part so i uh, maybe but it did just seem kind of like kolchak was giving just a little bit too expo exposition about the former owner that made me think he was looking for something that was specific to the property as opposed to specific to the fact that Palmer was living there. But I don't know. You know, again, but, I, I've you seen know, these whatever. over the years, so I knew it was down there. So yeah. I could be reading that into it. And whatever he's doing, it's to, at best, it's to satisfy his curiosity. Um, if, yeah, even if you suggest he's not going in there to, to, uh, eliminate palmer um but he's not he, he's not gonna find anything that he can use as evidence to back up the story in the sense that he can print it you know he finds out the guy's got a satanic um chapel in his basement 
or whatever whatever you call a place of satan worship um he can he can take that back to the office and write a story vincenzo's never going to let him print it much like everything else he writes, I Maybe suppose. he finds... Well, he, so he does find a temple, and he gets uh, pictures of a satanic temple. Uh, oh, yeah. He gets Maybe he gets pictures of Palmer wearing the robes and drinking from the cup and, and you know, speaking. He's got That's recording a bit hopeful, him really, isn't it? You Nothing could print if that not story. optimistic. You could print that you, story. Even if he didn't... Even if you didn't believe Satan exists, you could print that story and ruin Palmer's political career. Oh, yeah, you could you could print that story. How optimistic is Kolchak if he thinks he's going to break into the guy's house, take a photo of him doing his Satan worshipping, and then stroll off and print that story? And maybe you find the kennel that keeps the dog in it. And, I will... <laughs> <laughs> and here's the dogs. Click, bang, and answer, you know. Could he still be looking for the possibility that there's not... A satanic element here, or that well, how's he how's he, how's he going to find proof that there is not a satanic element? Well, no, I mean, so you could still it, Hound of the Baskervilles. The, uh, the whole premise of that story is throughout the whole thing, pretty much there is a satanic hound, there is this haunted hellhound that is attacking it, and pretty much everyone believes it except Sherlock Holmes, yeah, who doesn't believe it, and uh. We get down to the end, and of course, it turns out that it is not. In fact, it is entirely a spoof. Kolchak, I'm not sure. I'm thinking by taking the holy water, we're pretty convinced that he's he's convinced that it's satanic. But I mean, you know, he could be breaking into this house to find out that it turns out that it is a, a dog in a kennel that's been spray painted with glowing paint. And uh, except the dog only glows when it's photographed and disappears from negatives. Admittedly, that's true. Or and at least even prints. See it we don't know about negatives. Negative. I don't think he saw it glowing yeah. in the negatives. I thought that was when it dissolved that it that it glowed. But I oh may, well maybe I don't remember for sure. Anyway, um, it, anyway, it's, it's, it it seemed it's it, it seemed to me that the ending was slightly less dark than I was expecting. But um, there's one other thing that I want to pick up uh, because I thought it was pretty dark, which is when Kolchak goes to find out what has happened to the secretary. He has again. It's an is is rather a good exchange. Again, a well written character who whose motivation is very clear, with some sharp dialogue. Um, the 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 doctor who's been looking right. after her, and Kolchak is obviously trying to get from her that there's something unusual. There's something unusual about her death, and the the doctor isn't isn't giving anything away, and she's also being quite spiky towards Kolchak but she does say that the secretary died from a from a stroke and she says different strokes for different folks <laughs> and have you checked again had a checkup lately yeah to, 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 to kind of to to uh, threaten to I thought my god that's that is quite dark um you know, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue in this episode has generally been quite witty and quite good. But I, I did, I did kind of think, "Whoa, did she just say what I thought she said?" Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I, I noted the line as uh, funny, but it was. Um, uh, I, I didn't think of it as dark, but a good point. I mean, it is a doctor making a, a crack about people dying. So, yeah. yeah, well, you know, it's not unusual for medics to, to be um, using a bit of black humour 
So I, I, yeah, I guess it, it all fits with the character. So, yep. Here's the one that gets me now. And it, it's the other, it's the tail end of that. When she turns to Kolchak and she says, well, have you had a checkup lately? As if she can just stare at this man and decide that he's at risk for heart attack. It's like, he's not overweight. Um, we've never seen him smoking. Uh, we, we have seen him a drinker, but I don't think she would notice that. And, and he doesn't drink when he's on the job. We even get that in this episode. So it's not like he's stinking a booze, uh, in the episode. It's just, it, it's almost like that line where Kolchak was making fun of, of, um, Plum, the reporter, the, yeah. the, the fat reporter. It's like, she's not fat. Yeah. Kolchak is not obviously an unhealthy man. In, no, in she's, and she's just needling him. She's just needling him. And, um, Vincenzo, on the other hand, <laughs> that was, he's standing there doing his heartbeat, and they're still just running on with him. That that's pretty. Uh, I assume he's really, uh, really feeling it. That's not just him doing dramatically trying to get them to shut up. Like, oh, you know, my heart. Don't I? I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure. Uh, on that, I'm not actually sure where Vincenzo lies on that. Is that is it dramatic purpose or is he actually likely to die walking down those steps? I think I think he's being a bit dramatic, but whether whether he, whether he's doing it for effect or whether he's doing it for himself, I don't know. Oh, there is one other thing. There is one other line that I just want to call out when Kolchak is trying to get his coat paid for to have it repaired and and what is it vincenzo's line is are you trying to tell me that you care how you look (laughs) 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 they they, they needle his clothes all through this episode from the hat the birdcage hat to the to the uh the the bartender digs at him to everyone yeah it's like it's not I mean, it's not that awful for crying out loud. He's not wearing the six doctors outfit here. It's <laughs> anyway, no, seventh doctor's outfit. Yeah, or that. That's right. Um, so, have you got anything else? I just want to say that I have enjoyed the music of a number of Kolchak episodes. I thought this one had awful music. This is a different. Uh, I believe this is a different composer. I think um, it was, yeah. Didn't I, recognize the name. I um, had made a point of mentioning earlier that Gil Malay had done the music uh, for the series, and he certainly did the theme. And, and His I, stuff is great. And, yeah, he did a few of the episodes, I think the Ripper and, and the, the, the Aliens and, and some of those along the line. Uh, but I guess he left... He was doing some kind of experimental stuff. He was really excited about being able to do kind of different music. And he left for whatever reason. And they had, so they're using stock music from him. And then they brought in, I think, one or two other composers to do stuff. And I did notice, uh, I noticed the music in a not good way, particularly the, uh, the violin or the fiddle or whatever that instrument was at times that they were playing, uh, in the episode. It was, uh, kind of not, not the Kolchak music that I expect. The 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 very moody, uh, that the atmospheric music that adds to the tension. I didn't really get that in this one. 
Yeah. Yeah. A good catch that you, that you noticed that, um, because it it definitely is, definitely is different. All right. Well, I think next time, if I don't get the name wrong, that the next one is Bad Medicine. When we come back and, and infer from that whatever you, whatever you will from, uh, from the title. And uh, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.